to another episode of the BAT Podcast. Howard, Zach, and Alex here at the Bring a Trailer World Headquarters in San Francisco. Fellas, what's up? Glad to be back. Wasn't too much of a disaster last time, I guess. Totally, yeah. Thanks for having us back. So we had uh, last weekend a little, little Bring a Trailer off-site event uh, at a place down in Carmel Valley. Uh, I cruised up and you know parked my car. I saw that Zach and Alex had beat me, uh, had beat me there. Uh, they both drove their 911 GT3s. They don't have a matching pair, but they can tell us about those. But uh, then I was we talking- look like a matching pair driving those things down the road. Zach had talked about driving his back uh, from from Texas uh, a few months back. But then I was talking to you guys, and you guys just gave those cars to the valet and said, threw him the keys and, and checked in. I would never ever do that. I think I, I gave them our matching jackets as well that said uh, BFFs, GT3s for life. But That's it, like a personality thing, taking your fancy car and parking it yourself versus just trusting that that guy's going to park it for see, you. See, I, I think it's um, the lack of trust in the valet is uh, frankly insulting at a venue like that. So that's a big reason why I'm very eager to toss my keys to the valet at any opportunity. Uh, one, because I think you could come off as kind of a jerk if you don't think they can work a third pedal. And two, back in back in my youth, when I had a much better hairline, I, I worked in a similar capacity at a car wash in the Sacramento Valley. And the guys that would pull up in their C6 Corvette and be so concerned with you pulling it up to the tunnel that they'd literally just sit in their Corvette and go through the wash tunnel themselves. Oh, it was... <laughs> So patronizing. This is so, one of those washes where, where you most customers get out and then the car wash yeah, you, guy gets you get you. out. I have the nice little selection of services on the board. I tell you which one's probably best for oh, you. You were that guy. You, you, you came up to the window. They rolled it down. Hey, how are you? I'm Inter- exterior only. Full uh, gold package. Yeah. Yeah. I, package. I was the face of car, charisma, if you can catch the pun, auto spa for a brief period auto of time. Auto spa. Nice. Yes. Uh, so... I frankly, it always dealerships are called auto spas. That's the evolution. <laughs> totally. Uh, I always found it irritating when some guy like just didn't trust you. Plus, it sort of made your day when a cool car came in. Some guy used to come at, come in in his '88 911. You pull it up. You think about it. You do your 15 second road test, and then you move on, vacuuming all the dog hair out of the Honda Odyssey. But any experiences? I'm sure some of those guys are like really anxiously, hawkishly watching you drive it in, and, and maybe you you miss the wheel track, the left front a little bit, maybe scrape scrape the rim. Any, any horror stories like that? Uh, oh yeah, I mean probably once a year. I can't believe we're getting into the weeds about my wash days, but yeah, may, maybe once a year, once every two years, some new guy would send an automatic car and park down the tunnel. Um, that was always a nightmare, depending on the year of the car. Yeah, how does that work? Um, I'm sure Alex can speak to the technical uh, issues way better than I can. How did it move through the tunnel? Is there like a thing that grabs the tire? Yes, there's something that grabs it. And it has enough force that it it would literally wreck people's transmissions. Uh, Oh, interesting. That was always problematic. There was this one uh, probably very, very nice lady, but very concerned about the transmission in her SMG E46 M3. And, and probably for good reason at the rate those things break, but we know a lot more about those now. Totally. Maybe. Yeah. She was clearly ahead of the trend, probably had her subframe reinforced at the time, <laughs> but 
she would only let the the manager of the entire car wash, she'd call him out from the air-conditioned office in 100-degree heat for him to pull her car up to the tunnel, then it go through the tunnel nice and slow, and then call him up again. So Does that mean she, she didn't trust the help? She only wanted the, the, the uh, top of the food chain? To yes, but the funny thing was she also didn't want to move it herself. So I always appreciate Well, you're that. at the auto spa, man. Somebody else has got to, got to be helping. Yeah, there, there would be guys that would forget to sit knee brake when it's coming out of the tunnel and Oof. it would roll off the line. You got to jog after it. Um, I have a tortured relationship with the valet situation. Uh, I am older than you, Howard. And when I was younger, I was definitely, even when I was first married to my wife 10 years ago, eight years ago, definitely never let the valet park the car. I had the same fervor as you. Never, never, never. But now I'm more like Zach in that, even though Zach's even younger than you, in that it's an awkward, it's an awkward situation every time I'm there. And like, I've done the, the horribly condescending, do you know, are you cool with a manual transmission? Hey, here's how you start it. I've done all that terrible stuff to the poor valet. Uh, so it's tough for me. And in fact, on this trip, uh, when my wife and I were leaving that lovely uh, uh, event that we had, uh, the valet was the same guy as the day before when I dropped off my car. This time I knew better and I didn't say anything condescending to him when he took the car. But when I was walking back out, he recognized me and immediately took off to run to go get the car. And I didn't want him to cold start it and like jam it into gear and rev it up real. So I was like, no, no, man, it's all good. I'll go get it myself. So I still so have- he thought you were just skirting tipping him. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I tipped I'm him. Well, with yeah, you. I don't know. See, I feel awkward you about it now. You slip the five, then you go walking at your own car. Yeah. That's the way you do That's it. That's right. But no, the, the real technique is you leave your car in sport with the exhaust, exhaust baffles open, and then you can- here if they hammer on it when they go drive it the first time that's right that, then, that was that was your uh, that was your trick yeah that's your sort of trace around if you hear it off in the distance you know you should probably go collect it yourself oh, man i feel like a terrible person COVID really killed the whole, COVID killed the whole valet thing now, now it's back the guy was mm -hmm. really cool he was like oh you go into the track i mean he was excited about the car i didn't i shouldn't have taken that away from him on the on the return trip i'm bringing it back up those guys are probably all faster than me around laguna City. oh i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> it's like when we went to the go-kart track all those years ago and now i was getting competitive with the staffers i was yeah <laughs> well that, that we went, yeah we went to uh k1 or something and we didn't realize they could turn off so the uh you know the electricity the horsepower on them and we thought we were you know doing it and they're like no this is like level 205 it's like what are we here for <laughs> totally. we got 10 give me five. five yeah give, give me five, five. Um, yeah. awesome we got we got some we got some fun stuff to talk about today um zach you got a question from a buddy ours about uh car colors and models tell us about that that could be a colorful discussion oh, yeah, well, yeah i was thinking i was staring at um yet another uh, beautiful wonderfully presented no reserve low mileage viper gts and blue with white stripes which is the color combo to have in that car that's the one people actually had on their wall growing up that's sort of the exact spec you lust after when you're looking at those gen vipers so that always gets my gears turning on factory colors that account for sort of a, a measurable premium over an otherwise factory option the guy that selected viper in blue with white stripes in 2001, it's feeling a lot better than the guy that's factory optioned at the Dodge dealer, yellow with black stripes right now. I was right just now. gonna say yellow <laughs> with black, yeah. Oh, yes. So I, I'm not too concerned, like Porsche paint a sample is like uh, 
pretty ridiculous. Champion, championship light and ticker type R. That's another one, right? That's, yeah, that's exactly. The, that's what, the Halo Halo version. What cars could you buy new from a dealer in a color that are selling strong right now? So similar to that, yeah, white NSXs. If you got an NSX and white, man, that's really the color to have, in my opinion. I agree. Although I was looking at a Brooklyn's car today, and my wife was like, "What color is that? I've never seen an NSX in that color." Those are my two favorites. Brooklyn's These are two guys, sweet, Zach and Alex, with silver NSXs. But go on. Let's maybe stop telling the people all the all the cars that we have that are. Kind Come of on, we got a couple of twenty-year-old Hondas between us. And some <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's a good point. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like yeah, er, early NSXs in white. We've seen those, but like six-speed NSX in white. If we, I feel like that's no, the production of those is in like the. Tens for the later cars. Yeah, they made so few of them. Um, Very few later cars in general. This one guy, the barrier that he has a white uh, coupe, six speed. I want that car so bad, so sweet. But sorry, I digress. Um, uh, blue Ferraris is a big one in my opinion. I think you get a three twenty eight or a three hundred eight or a five fifty. All of those cars in dark blue. Dark blue, anything honestly. Like you look four GTs, BMW Z eights. Yeah, I feel I blue always. Big premium. Blue 72 911s. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the factory GT3s in orange, and we've got a green car coming up. Those are uh, like way higher than orange. We're talking 0708 GT3 RS. 0708, yeah, could option silver orange, which is probably one of the worst colors Definitely to ever worst. come out of the Porsche Ooh, factory. Yeah, not, not great. Silver guards. Um, then, yeah, black orange, which is strong. Orange, black, second best. Green, green is more rare than orange. Yeah, orange. green is, I think, holds the record at highest GT3 RS sale ever, which was 2 280 or so for a 997. Not counting four liters, obviously. What did, I mean, the RS, you could get the you could get the orange and the green, which was only offered an RS. What else do you get with that, with the RS package? Um, US got kind of neutered in, in Europe. You could option the club sport package, which got a cage and those good bucket seats that you see selling for a lot of money now. They're a little different in that gen. You got, I believe, a plexiglass uh, rear window, so it was lighter. Um, so the European cars are lighter than the U.S. cars. But U.S. cars get, I think it's single mass flywheel. It's on the Carrera 4 bodywork, so they're a little wider. Basically, it's a, it's a flashy color combo. In the later cars, you got some more significant driver update. It's really, really what you're buying is the resale edition. Um, mechanically, it's not hugely different from the contemporary GT3s. This I love 0708 GT3 RSs. And though, man, those like on a dime in a, sp in a span of like three months just went to the moon pr price wise. Oh, yeah, I totally get it uh, in my unbiased opinion. And it makes a lot of sense. Why? Right. It's like so many things. It seems like even like Vipers, like it seems obvious looking back, but. I mean, to bring it back to, to colors, I, I was in my mid-20s when those cars came out, and the return of Viper Green, me liking 70s Porsches, it was a huge deal, right? The orange and the, the bright, uh, those bright colors of the 70s. Uh, 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 on one of the rallies that we go on, those vintage rallies, a guy calls them the 70s safety colors, right? Like in the 70s, you had all these great yellows mm -hmm. and greens and oranges and blues. And I love those colors. Uh, I... I'm a weird person to have the color conversation with because I always opt for the weird color. I'd love the yellow Viper with black stripes over the blue one myself personally, because I just always want to opt for a bright color, um, which has been controversial at times, but it was popular again in that era. And people were so excited for that Viper green. I'm with you. I don't know if it affects price, but yeah, like you said, like, like lime gold, 67 uh, Mustang fastback, whatever. 
Shelby or not? Uh, a lot of 60s muscle cars, particularly 63, 67 Continental convertibles in black. I yeah. think black, black, nice, mm -hmm. nice repaint with all the chrome. That can definitely bring a premium over a lot of the other contemporary colors. Another thing got me thinking, uh, we listed a 50 Merc that sold and like most stuff with the flame paint job trucks are like, it's not, not for me, not for us, but like flames on a 50 Merc, like that's like a rare case where I'm okay with it. Was it chopped? I, I think I remember that car. It was like a lead sled, right? It was, yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Black with flames on. I mean, there's even maybe some kind of. Flames is a fine line. I mean, it's, oh, yeah, it's well. 90, 98% chance not, that you screw it up. But You and I aren't talking ghost flames. We're talking like a little more period correct. correct. Black car, correct. bright orange and red flames. Exactly right. Totally. Totally. The guy built it in his garage, right? In, the, in, in period. Chopped the top. Did all that lead work that you have to do. You know, maybe maybe like a Model A pickup. You can, you can pull flames on that, you know, a little bit. But something about the 50 Merc, it's like it's... It's the ultimate, you know, American graffiti spec written through Fresno. Totally. That's totally what it is. Stockton. Is it Stockton or Fresno, that movie? I mean, I think they filmed it in Petaluma. It's Modesto, I believe. It's Modesto is where yeah. Lucas grew up. That's right. Yeah, totally. Dude, just going to Sonic on Highway 99 and 52. Totally. Man. For me, it's the, uh, it's, you know, you know my love for, for a deuce. It's a, it's a 32 Ford. What is Harrison Ford driving that? It's a 30... Maybe a 33? It's definitely a 32 or a 33, I think. You know better. I mean, first movie for him, too, as well, I believe. Really? That's interesting. Sorry, I'm getting way Is that true? No, that is interesting. No, this is a... Uh... I'm just making stuff up as I go, but I'm pretty sure Pretty sure that's his first This movie. is a lifestyle podcast as much as it is about <laughs> yeah. so this is this We're is all Harrison Ford fans here. Yeah. You know, top three coolest guys of all time. Who is it? 100%. No one's, no one's had or survived more plane crashes than that guy. Yeah, I was actually going to... I can uh, Unless you want to talk more about colors, I can attempt... An we'll get back to colors. Yeah, we can. I can attempt a, an interesting aviation segue there if you want. Please, because one of the things I wanted to talk about, uh, we were going to talk about results a little bit, was the Alex is a big aviation buff. The planes go on. I out. am love aircraft. In fact, I was grilling some of our colleagues today about the black low mileage uh, super twin turbo uh, Mark IV. That's an automatic. Uh, Mike Lasco, due to selling has a Beechcraft Duke behind it. One of my favorite mm. aircraft. Um, mm. They're often sitting in a field rusting away like that one is in the photos because uh, they're very expensive to work on. But uh, but the aircraft tie-in that I was going to mention in terms of results was uh, WAB, one of our, in fact, I think our, uh, uh, the, the seller who sold the most cars on Bring a Trailer, uh, has sold two Stuart light tanks, which are World War II kind of small, uh, small tanks. Uh, and the one that he sold recently had a Continental air-cooled radial engine in it. Do you know what a radial engine is, Howard? No, can't say that I do. Round, the cylinders are in a, you know, they, they stick out in a radial configuration. Yeah, there's one crankshaft uh, that has uh, all the con rods pivot off of it, a wild engine, and usually you see it on the front of an aircraft. Aircraft is the big round engine you see on the front of an airplane. But they powered tanks, and this one that he sold this week, uh, or yeah, it was this week, I think. That's why I wanted to talk about it. It was super cool offering. And um, that's the ultimate, right? People do the driving videos, the, the, the plane listings, like here, here's my, my in-car, in-plane landing it on my, on my private uh, runway. That's the ultimate. And then you go to tank videos where I just get nervous. Like, you know what? Let's, why don't we just stick with still photographs for this one? Oh, man, I love the tank driving video. The last one that Wob sold, sold another Stuart Light tank that did have a driving video. And they 
purportedly put pads on the tread so that it wouldn't crush the road. I don't know. I, I think there was that guy in San Diego in the 90s that tried to do a oh. tank driving video. Slightly different video for yeah. that guy, but a fun one to watch. Yeah, what's uh, what's more challenging, operating operating that Stuart tank or, or flying the planes? Might be close. I mean, man, they had 17, 18-year-old kids driving those tanks, right, with minimal training in World War II. So I'm guessing you can do it pretty easily. The other Stuart that he sold a couple of years ago, I can't remember exactly when it was, um, the radial engines were a little bit wild. So in the later ones, they put in twin Cadillac flathead V8s. So that's what that one had with two hydromatic transmissions behind him, by the way, which was like an easier thing to service, obviously, right? And probably still today, easier to work on. Dual, dual hydromatics. Dual hydromatics behind dual, uh, behind dual um, Cadillac flathead V8s. I don't know. They must. I mean, there must be a third, you know, a gear drive that that links the transmissions together that then sends the power out to the. So kind of a kind of a V sixteen, kind of a deconstructed totally. V sixteen. Well, two separate ones, almost right. And then, I, if I recall, it's either on that or on the Sherman. It's actually the you know when you look at a tank tread, the forwardmost sprocket is what drives the tread. So it's actually like kind of front wheel drive, right? The hmm. very front sprocket is what turns the turns the treads. Interesting. Um, yeah, we've had we've had a number of. Uh... Is that why tanks understeer so badly? <laughs> totally. You want to be careful. You want to be careful when when dive bombing into the corner. No, a lot of that. Stewart light tank. A lot of torque steer in the in the Stewart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we've had some neat some neat cars uh, and other non car vehicles. Alex is going to talk us about some of those. We had a twenty nineteen four GT. We've become quite quite the place to sell four GTs. Uh, uh, of all generations now, it seems, but this one was particularly cool because the owner and seller was Eddie Hill, whole shot Eddie. Uh, Alex, who is Eddie Hill and why is he awesome? Eddie Hill is the man. Uh, I missed this one and I feel bad about it uh, because um, I have a lot of drag racing buddies. And so the fact that we were selling Eddie's Hill, Eddie Hill's car, they were actually the one who alerted, they alerted me to that fact. I'd seen the car, but didn't realize it was his. Um, Eddie Hill has all kinds of interesting things that you could, you could talk about, but it was drag racer in the sixties. One of the first guys to go 200 miles an hour, um, left car drag racing to go boat drag racing for a while, which is awesome. Do you know uh, what year that was? Seventies or eighties maybe. Uh, and then he, my, my buddy Dave, shout out to Dave. He just texted me and said that he was, he held uh, both car and boat quarter mile record times at the same time and is the only guy to do so. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, Fastest amazing. man on land and water at the same time. So just like badass. I mean, it's just so cool. Uh, and then went back to drag racing. He was the first guy to break into the four second range. I mean, like a four nine nine nine, you know, like first guy to do that, like in the 80s, uh, which is amazing. And he was top top fuel. I mean, he did a lot of stuff, but he he was he was racing the big boys. Absolutely, hundred percent. I mean, like you know, first guy to, to break into the four second thing. And I mean, he raced. He also raced motorcycles. I mean, he's just like as legit as you can get. He raced at Inyokern out in the desert, the little airport track where I grew up, out east of the Sierras, which was like a on a, a runway track back when that was like a pretty legit place to do drag racing in the sixties. I mean, just a super cool guy. And then you know has this amazing Ford GT and, and a lot of excitement in the comments, I think, about him offering the car. On a a yeah. lot of excited comments from him personally. He posted over 50 incredibly thoughtful comments. We're so going to get him on the podcast. We're going to reach out to him. Uh, what is Wikipedia says he's, 
he's 85 years old, but that guy has probably lived more than, than, than most. Absolutely. And a wife who's, I believe in some of the videos there, uh, also a drag racer, they met while drag racing. I mean, just super, super, but cool. somewhat of a pioneer in, in the drag racing sport. People, one guy commented that said Eddie Hill was the guy who kind of, I don't know if he invented, but made popular, like doing a burnout to warm your tires up before your actual run. I, I don't dispute that, but I also would say who it's could possibly claim. dispute that? It's a big claim or, or like the tiny front wheels on, on the big uh, top fuel cars. Uh, I've never been into drag racing, but I think it's awesome. But I did go a couple years ago uh, to the like the major NHRA national event at Sonoma and watch the funny cars, top fuel cars. Have you been? I mean, they call them ground pounders or whatever. Like the, the earth literally shakes. This is like these are like the three second cars. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. It's, it's absolutely incredible. So many. I mean, I hang out with a lot of kind of sports car people. And a lot of them have not gone to drag racing events. And I think that's a huge mistake. You don't even really need to appreciate the sport. Like it's a must see like in, until you've seen a car accelerate zero to 100 miles an hour in less than a second. I mean, it's absolutely I mean, like, thrilling and like shakes your insides. I mean, seeing a car, you know, pass through the through the through the lights at, at you know, 300 plus miles an hour. It's incredible. There's 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 nothing else like it. I don't even know what I mean, you, you can't just hop in there and, and do it. But I don't even know what like the skill set to operate that and do it, do it properly is like a whole nother world. I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I remember like. So I, when I was a teenager, one of my buddies' dads had a super comp dragster. So this is like bracket racing. I think the dial-in was 890. So the cars, you know, 890 is what you're aiming for. You don't want to go faster than that. A lot of the cars could, but that's your, that's your dial-in to keep things, to keep things even. And that car had like 540 cubic inch, uh, a big block and they didn't have big wings on them, but you know, it's a big, long dragster rear engine and you know, there'd be 50, 60, 70 of these at an event. And like, you know, that's how a lot of people start. And like, that's, you know, 8.9 seconds is crazy. And they're like so fast, like there aren't many streetcars that can do that. Right. So this is like the kind of slow class. This is like where you start uh, in drag racing. Um, so I went to a lot of those when I was young and they're unbelievable. I one time got to go uh, down and stand right at the starting line in between top two tough fuel funny cars when they left. And I thought I was going to like fall down. I mean, it was unbelievable, unbelievable to be right next to them. They, they still do the Wednesday night drags up there. We should, we should go up there. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just run what you've rung. And I don't know. I think you get at least, yeah, four or five runs. I mean, they used to, they had a, they had, it used to be like a national event there. I presume they still have it. There was one of the energy national events. Well, there's that, but then yeah. there's just like weekly, just open to the public, come and pay 20 bucks and, and uh, do a few runs down the drag strip. Those are fun. I used to go, I don't think it's even there anymore. I used to go with, with this buddy of mine to LACR, which was in Palmdale, an old drag strip. And we would take their super comp car down there to do test and tune. And it was like the Friday night, you know, pay 20 bucks, bring your street car out and what you're talking about, Howard, drive it. This was when, this was maybe circa 2000 when the Civic SI EM1 coupe had just come out. Those cars would run like a 15 second quarter mile stock. There were a bunch of cars out there like that. This is like Fast and Furious 1 era. And you'd All bring the guys out- in the forums claiming their AEM totally, take, pushes them into totally. the 14s. And then, and it's at nighttime, which is fun. And then you bring out your super comp dragster, which, you know, at a drag racing event is about the most boring car that's out there. But then you run an eight second quarter mile and people lose their mind, right? They've never seen anything like that when they're drag racing an import car. Pretty Amazing. Fun. 
Sorry, I'm, I'm going deep on Eddie Hill's uh, <coughs> Wikipedia right now. You get lost on Eddie Hill's Wikipedia. It's amazing. Of course, he owns a motorcycle dealership in Wichita Falls. That's that's not surprising. That's great. Oh, man, he, he drove like the yellow Pennzoil uh, top field reactor in the 90s. So awesome. All my, my buddies are texting me like crazy here. Twin engine. Uh, he had a twin engine. Uh, came to fame in his twin engine, twin engine dragster. Two Pontiac supercharged engines. Well, I'm, I'm just impressed in how active and positive he is in the comments all around. He commented over 50 times in his own listing throughout the week uh, with over 600 thumbs up. I mean, that's a comment to thumbs ratio that's that's rarely seen on the website. So, yeah, I hope we get that guy on the podcast soon. Everybody's fired up to, to talk to Eddie. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. What else have we listed, Alex? What's, what's on your radar? Um. One of the cars that was interesting to me and I was talking to, to some of the folks on staff about was uh, Hyman had the um, had the first production Mondial, a car that gets some some hate a little bit. But yeah. I've always liked Mondial. The Mondial 8 or whatever it was. Mondial 8, right? Yeah. And it was the car that was That's Genesis for the hated Mondial. But I think the coupes are really good looking, personally. Pininfarina style. This specific car that was on the site was at the 50th. Uh, anniversary for Pininfarina at the Geneva Motor Show in um, 81. This car was like, there's pictures of it in the listing. It's sitting there on the... It was a cool car. And it, it was the real deal. Kind of like 308 GT4s have aged, yeah. have aged very, very well. Uh, I don't think the Mondial was as uh, good looking as... Not that stretch Stratos look that you get the, the 308 GT4, but I'm but, a big Mondial fan. Yeah, I think, well. I think they're, 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 coming, they're coming into their own. With a, in a coupe. Like it gets a little awkward when you want to put the top down, I think, uh, in terms of proportions, but the coupes are good looking. And then the late ones have the weird 348T configuration with the transmission you sideways. Know, when you see one in person, top down, especially a car of that size, and then you see four headrests yes. in it. It's ridiculous that car is recent. Wait, let me throw this challenge to you guys. This is something I've thought okay. about a lot. How many two plus two mid-engine cars are there where you're trying to jam four people in front of a mid-engine? It's, well, it's the only Ferrari four-seat convertible ever made, right? Mondial. Uh, I don't know. Are there the new Cali T's? Can you stuff someone in the back of one of those? I, Ooh, don't, I don't know. That. It doesn't count anyway. But like besides, uh, the, question, besides the 308, yeah. besides the 308 GT4 and the Mondial. Screaming conversion 400s. I mean, you're trying to fit four <laughs> occupants and an engine in between in the wheelbase and like, mid-engine yeah, yeah yeah do you know the answer are there other mid-engine cars i have with... thought about this for years and i can't think of other examples i mean there's there's um there might be like weird kind of show cars or one-offs but i'm trying to think of other like there's you know there's... Oh, toyota premium <laughs> that's got more more it's yes more but I'm trying, you know, I'm thinking of like two plus two, like, you know, a sports car type situation. Yeah, maybe like a Sparrow Lola T70. Or like, or like a, a little doesn't a Matra configuration. T-Jet have three seats? So you're getting yeah. like a McLaren little... McLaren F1, mid-engine, <laughs> three-seater. They're go. behind the driver, Is right? that a one plus two? What's the configuration <laughs> on <that> McLaren? <laughs> but yeah, smart observation. Man, that, that that's going to bug me all week. I'm going to have to... Do some more digging on that. You want to talk about smallest V8s? That's another. Yeah, I do. I want to talk about my favorite car on the site right now, which uh, tell us, Zach, has 155 horsepower and revs to about eight grand, and is actually not a modern Honda, but the 208 GTB, which I think is fantastic. That's the first 208 I think we've ever had submitted to us. Amazingly, um, tell us about that. Here it is, 208 GTB. 
Yeah, sort of a, a emissions dodge, tax dodge, which Alex can make much more intelligent comments than I can about the, the period and history, what was going on there. This is the 320 but, IS for, for 308. Precisely, yeah. Yes. Oh, and Italian market, there you go, just like 320 IS. It's an Italian yeah. tax dodge, I think, right? So you get the you get the Italian M3, so-called, the E30 BMW with a either a D-stroke, somehow a smaller S14 engine, two liter instead of two, three or two, four, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Uh, Love those cars. Yeah, it was, it was taxes based on engine displacement, yeah, something along those lines. Right? Correct. You yeah. also get these two, and there's also a 208 GT4, like we were just talking about the 308 GT4. There's also a oh, the man, same engine really in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, that, and then they had the two liter turbocharged cars, but this one's NA. You could get the small V8 right. with a turbo, which they did as right. well. But yeah, Zach, I'm loving this. I'm loving this thing. Man, I just think it's so cool. Unlike the E30, which where power was pretty comparable to the contemporary M3, I mean, this is down almost 100 horses from the 308, but who cares? I mean, neither of them are super fast by modern standards. Ripping around in that thing, you get to wind it out to eight grand, probably at every light everywhere. It's got to sound fantastic. It looks incredible. I'm just, I'm just really digging this car. You're asking about two liter V8s. Uh, that's a, that's a cool configuration. Yes. What else? Yeah, I guess the Fiat 8V, the Otovu. Nice. Uh, that kind of started it off, I guess, in what 53 or four. Yeah. Early, early V8s are right. There's a lot. There's of some little early flatheads, right? There's the V860, which is you know in the, the miniature in the, version yeah, of the, in the Ford Comet, among others. Yeah, that's right. My dad was going to put one in his 37 Willys Coupe at one point. There was even speed equipment for that. He has, I think, Arden heads for the V860. They put them in midget race cars. And that was a go. That was a go-to for hot rodders in like the 50s and 60s to put them in. For put sure. Them in, uh... And it's like I mean, it's it's like 100 and 100. And I think it's oh god no, it might be. You know, let me look up what it is. It might be 90 cubic inches. It's very little. Hmm. Yeah, Daimler SPT. 250, it's 2.5 liter, Hemi, fiberglass car, funky things. One of those is actually coming up. But yeah, odd engine specs. Honda CBX gets a shout out from me. One liter, six cylinder, ridiculous. Sounds incredible. It's I a, always thought the, the, yeah, the Benelli Sais were interesting, right? Yeah, totally. Are they, are they a three cylinder? What's it? What no, are the they? Benelli, that's another six. Six. Are they? Or oh, the yeah, CBX. They sound fantastic. Hmm. 750 cc. And then later, 900. Oh, man, I'm ashamed. I said three-cylinder in front of everyone. They're amazing. They also have six into six exhaust, right? So six headers coming out, and then the, the exhaust go out into six outlets. It's amazing. Why do you like the CBX, uh, Zach? Tell us tell us about that. Uh, well, one, I mean, 70s and 80s Honda CBs, I think, are some of the most iconic motorcycles ever made. They're, they're beautiful in their simplicity. Uh and then adding a bit transverse six-cylinder engine in that, it's just crazy to see how wide that block is sticking out. I mean, your tank is, your legs straddle the tank and there's still basically engines sticking out outside of your legs. So that, plus the noise, interesting part of history. I can't imagine cruising one of those around in the 70s with everything else going on then. You just feel like the man. So yeah, CBX is really doing. Did you ever drive vintage bikes? Or you were Zach was a Zach was a big uh, motorcycle rider until uh, an X five almost killed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good times. Maybe we'll rehash that on the story someday. <laughs> um, but no, I never. I was more into modern bikes at the time. That was just kind of me doing my thing. I also always really appreciated features like modern brakes and modern tires, uh, particularly so you can stop in time for uh, X five doesn't. But I mean. Did it really make a difference in the end? (laughs) 
the uh, the V860 just so that I don't uh, embarrass my father who would be angry that I didn't remember. It's 136 cubic inches, so it's like just a little over two liters, 2.1 or 2.2 liters. Wow. Something like that. It's a baby flathead. Um, Horsepower was? Oh, God. It couldn't have been. I bet it was, what was the, was there 90 or 100 horsepower in the full-size flathead? So it's probably 60, maybe 70 horsepower. But there, like I said, there's speed equipment. 60, VA6, 60 is the horsepower. Right? Uh, I'm sure that's what it is. That's probably yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's, um, I'm sure there is speed equipment for it though, right? Like Zora, Arcus Dunthoff made sure. heads for it. And you can, I'm sure you can put multiple carburetor manifold on it. Um, I think that's really cool. I love, I love, I love small displacement anything. The engine that I always rant and rave about when people want to talk about that is the uh, DRM V16 1.5 liter supercharged yeah. Formula One engine, which is yeah. just mind-blowing to me you know i mean imagine the size of the pistons on a 1.5 liter v16 so cool i don't know if they ever finished a race or won a race in one of those cars but i bet they sound tremendous that the, the dfv formula one era uh yeah we could we could dedicate a whole a whole pod brm later had a when they went to the three liter formula they had an h16 which mm -hmm. i think had two so two flat eights on top of each other i think two crankshafts and then all geared together amazing that was three liter though, not not quite sixteen cylinders with one point. I think you get a pass with sixteen. Yeah, sixteen <laughs> yeah, who's, who's wrenching on that today? There's, there's literally probably ten people in the whole country that can find the parts. Uh, oh, that actually reminds me. So, Maybe a printer, man. A buddy of my dad's or an acquaintance of my dad's has one of the pre-war. Um, God, is it an MV Augusta or maybe it's a Ducati? It has. It's a. It's a motorcycle Grand Prix racer with a very small v8 in it pre-world war ii i think there's two of them um and i think it got it sounds terrifying it's 500 cc i think with a v8 Amazing. and when he i saw it one time and he said when he bought it he was really excited and he cold started it and it hadn't been started forever there's water in the cylinders and it broke the crank and so it's like where do you find another crank for your 500 cc moto g well, it's not it's pre-moto gp but it's the equivalent of you know, it's a grand prix motorcycle racing bike um, unbelievable. So there, that's a little one. I don't so know if what you did he do? Did he custom had to have it or... had to have one made. Just imagine just sweeping up that crank into the trash. Imagine and... sweeping that check into somebody's pocket. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm not crying as hard as he is, but yeah, that's tough. What else do we talk about? What other exciting stuff have you seen? You guys got any favorite cars on the site right now? Any favorite results from the week? This whole podcast is unscripted for all the listeners out there. It is indeed. Uh, I, the AMX I was talking about last time did well. Bill Noon's AMX, the green Solid. AMX 390. Also interesting seating layout that those are two-seaters with all that space and car behind you. Indeed. That's all right. Uh, my favorite car on the website right now by far is we have a, a GTA Alpha 65, Julius Sprint GTA yeah, uh, 1600. Yeah. I'm a big alpha nerd and a GTA is definitely uh, towards the top of the pile for me. Um, this is from uh, a family that I actually know and they're, they're great people and race car drivers and uh, super knowledgeable about everything automotive. And uh, it was really uh, an honor to receive their call to sell this car. Um, it was kind of sad that they were selling it, but um, the, only, the first GTA we've ever listed uh, any car that's a first after 51,000 auctions uh, is probably special in one way or another. And, and this for me is yeah, definitely a Halo uh, Halo Alpha uh, sports car. 
I did. I actually uh, was very fortunate to to race one at the uh, uh, Sonoma Speed Festival in 2019. Um, a guy threw me the keys and said, "Go for it," which uh, which is interesting. Contrast that with uh, like racing the Datsun 510. That's what I was going to ask you. Which feels much uh, kind of more modern uh, and. Uh, the Alpha is kind of a car you're more dancing with. Uh, I feel all the 510s have been uh, improved to a point that they're all so much faster than they were uh, in in uh, when they were new. But the Alphas maybe less so and uh, are more of a I don't know. If I recall correctly, there was maybe a more a, romance in driving in driving the Alpha. What can I say? A tense moment in the Alpha at Sonoma Speed. Festival is that is that correct? Maybe uh, finding the limits of grip out there um, in that car. Well, this uh, that was a great event. That my class had I think six GTAs, uh, two TZ1s, and even a TZ2. Um, Incredible spread. Yeah, I mean, whenever you're driving someone else's car, you want to be careful with it, and uh, you're never there to show everyone how good of a driver you are. You're there to uh, <laughs> demonstrate the car in a in a respectful but hopefully uh, somewhat spirited manner. So. Uh, that was what I was trying to do. Um, I think, we'd, yeah, I was behind a guy who, like, I don't know, had a had a failure of some sort coming out of turn 11, and, and I was behind him and was lucky not to rear-end him because I would have felt like a real jerk. Um, but, yeah, no, this, uh, I'd encourage uh, everyone to check this out. Seven days left. There'll be days left by the time this podcast goes live. But um, the comment section uh, on this is particularly great because it is really a uh, – uh, a knowledge fest of, of going pretty deep on, on GTA knowledge and, and sliding blocks and uh, the three types of seat configurations oh, you go yeah. over these in. Can you school me a little bit on GTAs? Uh, somebody, I think it might have been Robbie Pyle, somebody told me that they're like kind of welded together. It's like constructed a little bit differently than a normal. Yeah, GTA, I, I right? guess it would technically be a homologation car based on the uh, yeah uh, Series 105 Julia Sprint GT, uh, we'll call Step Nose. Um, and they made them, uh, the GTA junior, which is the 1300 GTA, uh, 1600, which is the one we have on the site. Um, the GTAM, uh, which was for, uh, racing in the U S um, the, I don't know if the very best cars, but, but, uh, probably the most significant cars were prepared by auto Delta, which was kind of the, uh, Italian racing team. Um, that had a official relationship with with the Alpha Factory that prepared uh, these to do Targa Florio and and all the uh, all the sports car racing in the '60s. So uh, I'm by no means an expert, but uh, like all this stuff, uh, you could and people have written many books on GTAs and and the whole deal. So uh, the 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 comment section on this is quite an education uh, into uh, the underworld that is all this stuff and. Uh, fortunately, this seller knows what's up, and there's some people chiming in, and and uh, he's coming back with uh, 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 only exception is is a non lightweight fifth gear lay shaft gear point eighty five oh, ratio. All right, all right. And, I need uh, to I need to get in there and go to magnesium that. bell housing and and the word trunnion and and uh, lots lots of things happening. That's great. I need to get in there and and uh, and read some of that stuff. I love it when people go deep like that, and it's like people trying to out everyone trying to be more wonky than the last person. Um, and that's, uh, can be intimidating, but when people can really dice it up like that, I, it's one of the best parts about BAT and yeah. can be, I mean, 
I, I just love it. I mean, I think that's fantastic. I, uh, I, I'm excited to read that. I will say that that TZ2, that was a car I'd never seen in person before. That was an amazing thing to see. The orange one, yeah. No, it's just absolutely incredible. like 20 or fewer of those? Yeah. Uh, yeah. TZ2 and a Tipo 33 Stradale for me are probably the, yeah. oh, at, yeah. at the top of the list for post-war. Um, but uh, yeah, this, this, yeah, I'm just reading this GTA discussion on this car has, has gone into... Uh, the engine blocks, 502 slash A, uh, 532, 532 slash A. I thought I knew about cars before I worked at Green Trailer. And uh, every day is a lesson that the uh, the more you learn, the more you know. The more the more you're aware of how much you actually know. That's know. exactly right. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Which is an amazing thing. Like it, You actually have to have a certain amount of knowledge to realize when you don't know very much about a topic. And you could spend your whole lifetime and never... Uh, never, uh, you know, get to the get to the top of the heat, and that's um, that's interesting. It's a humbling experience, indeed. I'm right there with you yeah, every day, man. That's what it's like working at BAT. I would also say shout out to the BMW M1 live on the site right now. Look at my screen, dude. I've got it up. I'm oh, fired thank up you. About that One uh, shout out to that lead image. Yes. That's oh right. man, those yeah. wheels. Come on. Well, there's wonderful adjustment of that shutter speed with the train going by behind it. Oh yeah, look but at that. I, I missed that the first time I looked at that image. So I'm, I'm a huge M1 fan because I think this is one of the very first quote unquote supercars that brought supercars into the usable error era. It's the engine's spectacular, but it's actually one that will start every single day and not require crazy service intervals or crazy maintenance. The visibility is actually pretty excellent compared to a lot of contemporary cars. Like you could get in this and use it just like a car in 1980. Unlike, uh, is it the M80 engine in the M635 CSI or, or does people with a 635 CSI just want to say that they have the M1 engine? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if the comments have gotten into Alpha GTA territory on the M1, but I'm sure somebody would love to go deep on that motor. To me, it's it's all this, it's the M5 motor and the 635 CSI. Yes, right. I, I would say as near as makes no difference, right. and everyone on the forum would hate me for it. Right, totally. They'd say what an idiot you are. Uh, what uh, and isn't <laughs> remind me what an idiot? Totally, is. that's right. Uh, we were talking S14s earlier. S14 is that motor with two cylinders chopped off, right? Basically. Uh, as far it's as I same, know, same yeah. architecture basically. I think I'm the wrong guy to ask. Yeah, well, now, <laughs> now just, we're all we're all terrified of totally of the you know, know, yeah, yeah, too humble, too humble. Need to adjust to confidence. Totally, totally. Never state a fact ever on the podcast. But man, I feel like this compared to Countach or other cars it was up against in 1980, um, even a Testarossa a little later is is maybe a little more civilized and usable in a daily way where supercars that came before it weren't. So that's why I have a huge amount of respect for them. And I just think they look fantastic. It's a little weirder. I mean, I look at cars every day. I've been looking at cars every day for five years plus, right? Doing this job. And the cars that you don't see as much are the cars that get me excited, right? So we Absolutely. see a fair number of Lamborghinis. You don't see an M1. I don't know if I've ever seen an M1 in person. Um, so like that's... that's and you see a Munch Jet and it really wakes you up. Oh, come on. I love a Munch Jet. I do too. Kaiser Darren. Come on. I'm ready. I like. I actually love the American fifties, like kind of fiberglass specials. Yeah, like a lot of if those it's cars. on a Pulse Auto Cycle, my eyebrows aren't even gonna aren't even gonna raise. What, but what about Nash Healy? Where's Nash Healy sit on the uh, Howard Swig? Uh, but remember, listed that one British. that was in like Romania or something. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Raced him, uh, raced him, raced him right? Yeah, they're fat. Yeah, Nash Healy's, Arnold Bristol's. Yeah, we can. We Ooh, can uh, Arnold Bristol. That's a weird one. 
It's a lot of bow on that car. A lot of a lot of nose. A lot of a lot of high hood action. It's like it's puffing out its chest, kind yeah. of. I do love that motor, that Bristol. You know, the pre-war BMW motor that Bristol later brought. We haven't had one in a while, but we've had a few Bristols on the site, like fifties yep. Bristols. I love those. We had a was a four hundred one. They really uh, did some tuning on that BMW three twenty eight engine and put it in those cool, you know, aluminum cars. Love those. All right, we'll save that for another day. Um, well, that's it. No, no Bristol rant here at the tail end. No, get us, get us off this podcast and get a real guest on here. I think that's yeah, what that's Adam's right. Telling us that's right. Uh, and we, we want to hear from the community. What, uh, what yeah, what, what, what wacky cars, engines, uh, hybrid uh, uh, configurations like a Nash Healy or on a Bristol or any number of other things. Uh, let us know. Podcast at Bring a Trailer. We want to hear your feedback, questions. I still want to do like a listener mailbag episode. Um, we just got to go through and compile all the questions and. Uh, Let's take the hardballs. Uh, Let's take the hardball questions. We're ready for it. We're ready for it. So, uh, now this was fun, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back next week with with another it.